Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Tuesday. This is Seattle Now. There are big changes coming to the Seattle City Council next year. So far, three members have said they're out at the end of their terms. That means about half of the seats on the ballot will be up for grabs. Publicola editor Erica C. Barnett will tell us what that might mean in a minute. But first, let's get you caught up. Speaking of the City Council, today's meeting will include discussion of the city's response to the flooding in South Park. The council will hear from the Office of Emergency Management, Seattle Public Utilities, and Senior Deputy Mayor Monisha Harrell. As for the flooding itself, people are reportedly still out of their homes and in hotels. Seattle Public Utilities is offering housing assistance until the 18th, when all displaced residents are expected to be able to go back home. Remember the cement strike over the summer? A Seattle-based ready-mix concrete company is arguing its case in the U.S. Supreme Court today, and the outcome could change the way workers can strike. Drivers for Glacier Northwest allegedly loaded their trucks with cement, drove them to company headquarters, and went on strike with the concrete still mixing in their trucks. The company sued, alleging the action was intentionally timed to ruin the cement. And UW students and alum might want to stop by North Lake Tavern and Pizza House before the end of the month to get one more loaded pie. The legendary tavern will be closing after nearly 70 years. There's a big party planned, so look for details. And stop by in a few months when Big Mario's moves in. You can put their New York-style pizza to the test. Deborah Juarez has a lot of experience with what it takes to run a city. She's a former defense attorney and judge, and she's currently the president of the Seattle City Council. But last month, Juarez said she won't be running for re-election this fall. She's said all along, um, you know, privately that she this was going to be her last term, and she made it sort of semi-official recently by mentioning it um, from the council dais. That's Erica C. Barnett, the editor of Publicola. She says Juarez's departure is a big deal for the city. She leaves a legacy of uh, of stability and also as, you know, one of the first folks who represented a council district, really an example of, you know, a truly district council member who fought for her district. A few days before Juarez made her announcement, Councilmember Lisa Herbold said she won't be running either. Herbold represents District 1, covering West Seattle and South Park. Erica says Herbold's reason for bowing out is practical. She was afraid of being outflanked on the left, um, justifiably or not. You know, I, I think that's a little questionable, but she was scared that she would get booted and that, you know, a more conservative candidate would end up sort of skating through. She gave the example of former city attorney Pete uh, Holmes and his Republican um, successor, Ann Davison, and she didn't want that to happen. Last week, a third council member joined this exodus, Alex Peterson from District 4. Peterson is a notable departure because he's one of the more conservative council members. He uh, has commonly voted against things that the more progressive bloc of the council has uh, supported. And so for that reason, he's really um, been kind of the voice of no for his three plus years on the council now. Peterson is leaving the job after just one term and returning to a career in the private sector. Now, that means three of the seven seats up for re-election this fall won't have an incumbent running. It's an opportunity for big changes on the council and, by extension, in the city. I asked Erica if there's something we can take away from these departures. She says reading between the lines of Peterson's announcement gives some clues. 
this is a really tough position. It comes with a lot of criticism. And if you're not up for that, which I think uh, Peterson, you know, arguably wasn't, it's not a great job. It's a job that, you know, when you do it well, involves a lot of interaction with constituents. And I've heard for the entire time Peterson's been on the council that uh, that, that has, uh, has not been the case, particularly with constituents that disagree with him politically on things like transportation, housing, um, affordability, and stuff like that. Herbold has also faced extensive criticism and even abuse during her time on the council. Erica says this experience is a common problem for people in public office these days. It really is a lot to deal with. And I think council members right now and for the last several years have had to take a lot more abuse than they did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. It's become a worse job just objectively (laughs) over the years as, you know, it's not just responding to constituents. It's just taking a torrent of abuse, both in person and, you know, online on Twitter, phone calls, emails. As I say a lot, it's not a great job. I wouldn't want it. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the abuse that the council members have had to deal with. There have been some very public incidents of pushback that seemed beyond the pale for what we should be engaging in in public discourse. What do we do with things like this, where, you know, everyone is allowed to have an opinion and they're allowed to put that opinion somewhere very quickly. But often they're uninformed, often they're hot takes and can definitely move into the area of abuse. I mean, I think it's it's really hard. I mean, I, I, you know, I think not (laughs) reading Twitter or not taking Twitter too seriously is actually um, pretty good advice. Um, Alex Peterson actually was never on Twitter, but obviously read Twitter because he talked about it in his newsletters and in public. But as far as like the in-person stuff, I mean, people were showing up at council members' houses. This is something that has become common, you know, around the country now. Um, San Francisco, the same thing happened to the mayor. There were protests outside her house. Former Mayor Ed Murray, same thing. I think that we have to, unfortunately, allow that, you know, as long as it doesn't extend into things like criminal activity. Um, Herbold had her window broken by um, by somebody, uh, threw a brick through it. Um, that is a crime. So, you know, there are lines there, but... Man, it's tough. I mean, you can't you can't ban people from sitting outside a person's house on the sidewalk. Or you can, but that's a violation of their constitutional right to protest. So I think it's it's something that people have to weigh before they run for these offices. This is just a part of it now. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking a little bit about the experience and institutional knowledge that is leaving the council. What does this mean for the future of the council? And what could that look like, Erica? Well, we have three people who are definitely leaving. Uh, we have a fourth person who is rumored to be um, leaving, possibly Shama Sawant, who is the council's most senior member. And we have this weird system where every other election we get rid of or we, you know, consider seven of the council races all at once. And that's a that's a large majority of the council. So we stand the potential to really have a very, very inexperienced council in 2024 and beyond. And for one thing, it means that they have less power vis-a-vis the mayor. Bruce Harrell, um, as mayor, is an incredibly experienced um, city politician. He was on the council for a long time, for 12 years, and um, is now mayor. So 
um, that potentially puts him even more in the driver's seat than he is already compared to the council. Um, Lisa Herbold, just to go back to her briefly, you know, 25 years experience. And I think that that shows in when you watch her in council meetings, you know, she can bring up minutiae that were, haven't been discussed, you know, since 2009, but are relevant to, you know, whatever is happening today. When that doesn't happen, I mean, what it means is um, potentially making uh, law and taking votes based on incomplete information. And that is risky. I mean, it's an inherent risk. We elect new people all the time, but it's probably a positive to have some institutional knowledge around at the council. And so losing that is is a big risk. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. And, you know, even though it's 10 months away, Erica, this is going to be a big election with these seven of nine seats. And as we've talked about, it's been a bit of a mixed bag in terms of who's being elected. What can you say about the political environment we're heading into right now in this big moment in time for Seattle? Well, it's really interesting. The last two elections, I think, have gone in uh, sort of opposite directions. In 2021, uh, there was a little bit of a backlash or a lot of a backlash against um 2020 moves to defund the police, which of course never happened, elected Bruce Harrell, elected Sarah Nelson onto the council, um, and elected Republican Ann Davison as city attorney. That all happened. Then in 22, I think we sort of went in the opposite direction and, you know, elected a very left-leaning municipal court judge, uh, more left-leaning King County prosecutor. What does that all say for 2023? Um, I think it's probably going to be a mixed bag rather than a, you know, a strong um, voter consensus for a more conservative or a more liberal direction. And, you know, we've been talking about the loss of institutional knowledge, but moments like this are also drivers of change. This is also an opportunity for new faces, for new voices on the council. What are you hearing about who could be stepping up to run for these seats? And, you know, who is the new guard of this city? Well, that is too soon to say. I mean, the only the only really solid rumor that I've heard is that um, Jerry Paulette, and I have not confirmed this with his campaign, but um, Jerry Paulette, um, who's the state representative for the 46th district or one of two, um, is potentially going to be running in District 4 to replace Alex Peterson. Otherwise, there's a couple of names out there, but you know, it's January. This is when people start declaring typically. And so I think we'll know a lot more this time next month. Filing deadline is May 19th. So there's there's lots of time and sometimes people file at the very last minute. It's a little too soon to say what the new guard is going to look like, um, except that there's going to be a lot of people seeking these, uh, these positions because there always are. All right, Erica, before I let you go, of course, we haven't heard much about who may be running. We have 10 months to go. But what will you be keeping an eye on over the next few months? And what should voters be paying attention to? We're going to be having new council districts this year. I think voters should be listening to what candidates say are their priorities for their particular district. And, you know, I mean, just as an as an advocate for informed voters, I mean, I think just look uh, beyond the sort of the platitudes and the high level statements that you're going to hear out of campaign uh, out of these candidates campaigns and see how informed they are about not just their district and its concerns but the entire city and the issues that are important to the city with 15 candidates running let's say in uh, in seven races that's a lot of people to pay attention to so you know zero in on your district think about the issues that are most important to you and your district but also just uh, make sure that these these candidates are well informed in addition to sort of saying what um, what they think you want to hear. Publicola editor Erica C. Barnett, really appreciate your insight. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. 
Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. And thanks to our newest donating member, Amy. You make this show possible, Amy, and we really appreciate it. Today's episode was produced by Claire McGrain. The show is also produced by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Vaughn Jones, Jenny Cecil Moore, and Brandy Fullwood. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. Just reiterating that on the East Coast, it's Mario. Mario. Y'all have your West Coast Mario Brothers thing, but we have our East Coast Mario pizza chain.